We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, it's Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, um, we are, uh, as I mentioned, every week getting closer to the draft. It's a little bit strange this year because we don't have the same events going on to, to kind of keep you in focus of which part of the particular year we're at, but uh, it's going to be here before we know it, I think, um, and that's probably the way it's just going to really creep up on us this year. Um, but um, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating on today's show though there's not gonna be a lot of a draft talk uh, some of it might slip in here and there but we're going to be talking about the recent uh, series that yourself and sam wallace have been doing that we've covered on a number of the recent podcasts and uh, i've really been enjoying reading through it and i've really been enjoying talking about it so we're going to do that on today's show and then thursday is going to be a bit of a a sophomore spectacular as we go through some of the second year players in the nfl and as we know last year's rookie uh, crew was uh, quite impressive so that's gonna be a fun one as well coming up on thursday but sean as we start the show uh, how are you doing this week awesome as you mentioned we're heading into some pretty news heavy portions of the nfl offseason we have free agency coming up just before we started recording the show news broke that it looks like the tampa bay buccaneers are going to franchise tag chris godwin always a possibility he could be tagged and traded but with the buccaneers looking to try and win another super bowl i think it's much more likely they're trying to keep the band together to have that elite offense really put pressure on opposing teams when you have mike evans you have chris godwin Perhaps Antonio Brown, but also they have some interesting uh, young players behind those two stars that obviously Tom Brady is going to be in position to have another strong season. And the, the Buccaneers 
make that push again. Uh, as someone who owns Godwin in a few leagues, this is, I think, a, a bittersweet decision here where Godwin, obviously staying with a good quarterback, an explosive offense, but perhaps not going into a situation where he has an even more dynamic quarterback from an arm perspective. Uh, we saw what he could do in 2019 when Jameis Winston was willing to take a few more risks. And also then the possibility existed in a free agency that he might go and be the clear number one. If he could be the clear number one on a team that does have solid quarterback play, the ceiling would be a little bit greater. Godwin was a disappointment in 2020, but a lot of that probably had to do with some of the injuries he played through. So Godwin owners, I think, definitely not hurt too badly here. You have a little bit more of a high floor situation, but perhaps a little bit of a lower ceiling. We also have plenty of news coming up over the next couple of months about uh, young prospects and how they are performing athletically. Travis May has a fantastic piece up on the site right now that will let you track all of the pro day performances. Travis's piece will be a landing spot for us as we track those results, put them into the running back prospect lab, put them into the wide receiver prospect lab, fill them into the box score scout and see the different comps there. Uh, we'd love to use these tools to give you really a, a look behind the curtain and a great a feel for who the similar players are, what the projections are, what you can expect these guys to do as they transition into the NFL. So uh, as you mentioned, a lot of fun coming up. We have a lot of drafts getting ready to start too, a lot of dynasty startups. And so that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit more today. This draft that Sam Wallace and I have been doing, the dynasty draft off where we each are alternating picks. And today, Colin, we get into round five. Now, because this is a super flex draft, some of the star running backs and wide receivers do get pushed down into this fourth, fifth, sixth round area. And so there are a lot of tactics involved here in terms of how you want to build your team, you know, what positions you want to have as your foundation pieces, and then how you continue to adjust around that. So as we've looked at my teams getting to this point, I wanted to have that star QB to be able to build everything else off of. And then young wide receivers and tight ends. That tight end, if we have a, a young tight end, if we have an ascending tight end, certainly if we have an older but star tight end like a Travis Kelsey, then it's almost like having one extra position in our starting lineups. So most of my teams, QB, wide receiver, tight end, a lot of them even have a couple of wide receivers. We do have a team in team 12, drafting out of the 12 spot, that has Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and Chris Godwin to go with Burrow. So that team does have a couple of running backs Perhaps that one will not take a running back here in round five. But Colin, we've got a lot of running backs who are big name players in redraft, guys who might even be going in the first round still on the board here. So this will be an interesting round to see how those players come off in Dynasty and then to discuss whether or not we waited too long or if we should have waited even longer, let some of these veteran running backs fall. We have lots and lots of examples over the past several years of just how quickly these guys can lose value, thinking in terms of Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, uh, David Johnson, and others. You know, Are we going to see this as the year that Ezekiel Elliott joins that group? Now, in terms of news, the Dak Prescott signing yesterday, I think that that creates a much more stable offensive environment for all of these Dallas Cowboys. But you know, if you had Todd Gurley 
in the mix here. If you had Le'Veon Bell in the mix here, you still wouldn't be excited about those guys just because of Dak Prescott. So we'll see where Ezekiel Elliott goes and, and you can give your sense of whether or not you would have kept waiting. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting as well because when we look at it, we have, you know, we've had a lot of rounds here as we've had wide receivers, tight ends, and I've mentioned at times that it's more of a quarterback round, round one, and vice versa with wide receivers maybe in round four. But when we look at it then in round five, it really starts off to be the running back round. And it's going to be interesting as this draft continues and the players pile up, and as you mentioned, to say what I have passed, what I have not. And the other thing to take into consideration is you mentioned how quickly some of these guys do drop off and the likes of Ezekiel Elliott has probably gone from being uh, a first round or a late first round pick uh, maybe two or three years ago to now being at this point but is this a point where we say that he is a value or is this a point where we're going to say look at uh, in two years time he's going to be a 12th round pick now there's a big gap between the range of outcomes there but it's about trying to see like you've mentioned on a number of occasions is this person a value at that age at that value and can you have any resale value so i think when we're looking at elliot um you could buy in if it's a one now team but then again if we get uh, a year down the road and he hasn't been productive um, it becomes a really um devalued asset so it's gonna be fun to run through these when we get into round five the first pick going off the board was clyde edwards hilaire and when we look at it sean that's obviously going to sam but uh, the player that went next is the player that even if i was at the the spot ahead for sam i think i would have leaned towards and that's james robinson Uh, robinson as we know listening to the the podcast last year we talked and we kind of raved about him in a number of different times he was on a roster which wasn't all that great from an offensive perspective we did like a lot of pieces on that jaguars offense but he was the one that on a weekly basis was very very consistent finished the year running back seven and uh, points per game with 18 points per game so i was very very impressed with what i seen from him in that rookie campaign as a case now is can we see that being year on year you know from where he went in terms of draft capital uh sometimes there's a little bit of a you know less rope in terms of how much opportunity they're going to give him if there's if there's not in a continued imp- uh, continued performance like he had last year but if we get uh, the quarterback we expect to get in there and we get those pieces like chenault and like chark around him uh, i think he could be a really really positive player so when i'm looking at the guys you know even that went in the round ahead of him like cam Akers or like jk dobbins i think there's a possibility that robinson bypasses them this year just with what we've seen as a rookie um, if we can start to see that so um he was fifth in, in rush yards last year 11th in targets i think the amount of targets he got probably surprised me more than anything um heavily involved in that offense um and i, I just think that there's a real a real upside with james robinson there is and, and this kind of brings us back to this difficult question between edwards alaire and robinson where the draft slot makes such a big difference in terms of the opportunities these guys are going to get. Edwards Alaire has to continue to fail in order to not be the Chiefs guy and not be someone you want in fantasy. Whereas Robinson is going to have to continue to succeed, continue to pr- prove that he can do it. And when you have the deck stacked so much in favor of one player and stacked so much against another one, that does create a very different environment in terms of what they have to do. On the other hand, we're already seeing that Robinson may have the talent to do that. When we look at Edwards Alaire, his numbers were actually not that bad, purely from a fantasy perspective for a rookie, even for a first-round rookie. And then you look at this Chiefs offense and how dynamic it projects to be over the long term, he's still a very intriguing guy to have and to own to maybe go out there and acquire if the Edwards Alaire owner has gotten a little bit turned off by just how much he struggled. We look at the Super Bowl, for example, and how 
the Buccaneers are playing that Chiefs offense. And Edwards Alaire just doesn't really give them the power running, doesn't give them the breakaway running. I mean, when you're a small guy, you want to at least have that long speed. And that was one of the strange things about the selection is that the Chiefs picked a guy who's small and slow. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have other athletic strengths. He comps very closely to someone like an Aaron Jones, for example, who we've seen create plenty of breakout plays at the NFL level. Edwards Alaire may still do that. We saw that in his very first game, which was really his best game of the season in terms of uh, generating some explosive plays. But without that element, even when teams force the Chiefs to run or just say, look, you can run, we don't really care. Edwards Alaire probably not the back that is the best fit for that. And then his fit in the passing game with Mahomes being such a downfield passer, again, it's a little bit iffy compared to what people were hoping, what people were expecting, and even how the Chiefs had advertised that. Again, you see in the Super Bowl there where the Buccaneers are taking away those deep passes, Edwards Alaire not being that playmaker underneath. But again, such a high floor. With James Robinson, we have a guy who still has an extremely wide range of outcomes, and that's a surprising kind of thing to think when you look at just how good he was. Right? You pull up the road of his screener, you see that he's running back 17 among all rookies over the last 20 years. He outscored guys like Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey. You pull up the range of outcomes tool on the site right now, which uses historical projections to match players and then look at what those players did the following year, right? So you've got his historical comps, you have what his historical comps did the following season. And when you look at all of the different players, his range of outcome projections are above Jonathan Taylor, above Aaron Jones. I mean, these guys are with Taylor. We have the next great running back with Aaron Jones. We have a guy who's established himself as probably the most explosive running back in the NFL. Certainly you have guys like McCaffrey and Kamara who catch more passes. You've got Derrick Henry who's going to be in that category. But to have Robinson above those players is very, very exciting. And, you know, you look at the run pass mix, and that's one of the things that you mentioned it's easy to look at James Robinson's numbers. See, he averaged 18 points a game and think, okay, well, the fact that he was running back 17 over the last 20 years, all rookies, that's not that big of a surprise. But then you look at his receiving value and his receiving EP, so his expected points as a receiver, and he ranked running back 19 among all of those guys. So you, you take into consideration these two parts of the running back equation, how running backs score points, and are looking for guys who bring that balance to you, who really bring that huge upside. And Robinson is in that category. Now, you know, are the Jaguars going to add to a running back room that was very, very weak behind him last year? Probably so. So again, you have this undrafted resume that invites challengers, that invites uh changes to scheme that would neutralize some of the things that he does but Colin, i think that robinson here is just such a good player showed it at the college level but there was skepticism because of the quality of opponent now has demonstrated it against these elite nfl defenders i think that we have to give him credit for what he's done and believe that he can continue to do a lot of these same things in the future even though we know maintaining that standard maintaining an 18 point per game standard for example is very very difficult and even the guys ranked above him you know they don't project quite to that level either so we expect a little bit of a a fall off but that doesn't mean robinson can't be a very good running back foundation piece as we look over the next several seasons hey rotoviz radio listeners This is Curtis Patrick, and two of my favorite simple pleasures in life are good whiskey and sleeping on really nice 
betting. Where do I get mine? Brooklinen. Most of us are going to spend 30 to 35% of our adult lives in bed. It's just not the place to cut corners. Well, my people, Rich and Vicky over at Brooklinen, they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and your tastes. They're so confident you're going to love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. I've got the graphite window paint. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Collection and my wife absolutely loves it. All their stuff looks great. You can order anything and it's going to make you and everyone else in your house happy. Having a clean, fresh bedroom set, it's just one simple thing you can do to start and end your day like a champ. Go to brooklinen.com and use our promo code ROTOVIZ. You're going to get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code ROTOVIZ for $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. brooklinen.com, promo code ROTOVIZ, Check it out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. So Sean, we kind of touched on two younger players there and we're looking to see what their kind of upside is moving forward. A couple of players that we're looking at and we're wondering, have we seen their upside? Is there Are they on the downward slope and so on? And I know over the past couple of years, we've probably been on the wrong end of the, the Derrick Henry uh, Russian titles in terms of uh, where we would have them on our drafted rosters. And it's understandable in redraft context, even if people still want to 
buy in and, and get him aboard. But uh, heading into this season, will be 27 years old. Ezekiel Elliott, by the time the season comes around, will be 26 years old. So we have them both heading into that, la- in terms of a running back, the later age bracket, in terms of where their NFL careers tend to deteriorate. So both players are, have been extremely talented, have done a lot of great things in the NFL. We talked on a previous couple of shows about uh, Elliott and how he was doing at the start of last season. A lot of it boosted by volume but uh, similar Derek Henry a lot of volume there as well but when we get into startups and we're looking at dynasty rankings how we get these guys uh, and how we rate them and value them in terms of future production I think it really falls into that bracket like these two versus the two that we just mentioned a moment ago um, and especially on uh, James Robinson for example is the the age profile is one thing the drop-off in value then between kind of those later veteran year running backs all the way to the end of their career is is quite significant so i think if you're buying into james robinson we're looking at like a value possibly improving over the next year or two for buying into these guys i think you're buying in for as i mentioned earlier the the win now and you're trying to go straight in and and contend and you're probably going to have to go in with the expectation that come next season that you know or two seasons that these guys aren't going to be that much of a, a value to your roster and you're kind of going to probably hold them until uh until they step out of the nfl so in terms of the players that are going in this range just for some context the the next two players off the board are amari cooper and jalen hurts and then we have ryan Tannehill and then will fuller then we get into some more younger players like uh courtland sutton laviska chanel so if we just go to that point there's a there's a run then after that of, of young wide receivers but when we're at this point it's kind of we you teased it on a number of shows that they were still on the board this is the point that they they go off the board but making that decision between the likes of uh, an Amari Cooper or a, a Cortland Sutton obviously coming back from his injury or even a, a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts it's a really difficult choice for me I can see why some people would, would like to go for it but I think just in terms of our mantra you know with how we're evaluating players and, and setting things up at Rotovis and using the tools I think it's kind of a, a short-term short-term decision rather than a, a longer-term look it is and i think that one of the interesting things about these picks ezekiel elliott at 503 derrick henry at 504 is that you can look at them and some people are going to look at these picks and say this is absolutely crazy it's insane to have two players who are going in the first round of classic redraft leagues to be going this late even in a super flex startup and yet at the same time you're going to see some other guys who are thinking well yeah i mean i understand why they're going there but they would be hands off for me pretty much for good because in a startup we're trying to build with players who are going to see their values increase as well as try to win now in this situation here when i picked henry i have those same kind of thoughts number one i'm thinking okay well in a real draft is this even realistic and at the same time do i still want to pass here the team that I drafted him on has Lamar Jackson, T. Higgins, Michael Thomas, Noah Fant. And so it has this young foundation in terms of Jackson, Higgins, and Fant, but it also has a little bit of that win-now mentality with a Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, someone else who dropped and probably goes a little bit later than a lot of people are thinking. One of the elements here that we have to keep in mind is that when we're looking at running backs, it's almost a year-to-year proposition regardless right so if we want to have running backs and you know we're going to have at least one stud player on our team we want to look at these guys as being a little bit more year to year now if we go to year to year with the younger guys and they have a good season then again the trade value consideration is almost separate from the scoring in the current year situation 
The scoring is almost entirely a year-to-year proposition. The trade value does benefit the younger players, and so we have to keep that in mind. But in terms of this season, again, we pull up the range of outcomes tool. We look at Henry, and he ranks number three behind Alvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. Not surprising guys to be behind. He's ahead of Alvin Kamara, which I think is interesting. And one of the things that you can look at here in a study that I'm going to publish on the site in the next week or two looks at different running back profiles and how they maintain their values now ryan collinsworth had a fantastic series a couple of years ago anybody who hasn't read that even though it's a couple years old now it's one of the best things that we've had out there i encourage you to go back you know search for his name read through his series talking about the profiles that work well for fantasy the profiles you need to have in order to have a good shot at having a running back one instead of a running back two instead of having those guys who are going to kind of fall in that running back dead zone we know that henry struggles from that perspective even on these fantastic seasons he's more or less capped in that 20 points per game range which you're thinking okay 20 points per game you'll take that i mean that's a league winning season in almost all years it doesn't maybe give you access to that 25 27 28 point per game season that number one is unrealistic just in general but number two does occasionally happen with guys like a McCaffrey or a Camara. so you're taking yourself out of that category but you may not be giving up as many points when we look at year one to year two or subsequent season as you might think because we look at these different profiles and we look at the guys who are very run heavy then yes they lose a lot more of their rushing value the following season than backs from other categories but you look at someone like an alvin Kamara, and he loses a lot more receiving value the following season than backs from other categories and so once you break down the ways in which the players are likely to fall off then you see sort of this 75% level of retention across the different profiles. So with Henry, yes, we're kind of capped because we don't have that receiving value, but we're not necessarily expecting him to fall off in a larger way than we're expecting some of these other players to fall off, which is why he still ranks very high in the ROO. And there's also a reason why people are taking him in the first round of classic redraft formats. You have this guy who has been scoring these points and the thing that i think that we have to look at and probably the thing that gives him an edge for me over elliot even though elliot does have some of those other parts to his profile that could give you a higher ceiling is that henry right now is very clearly still one of the best players in the nfl and i think that we want to prioritize those kinds of guys ezekiel elliott a little bit you have the injury question you know what percentage was he really playing at last year you have the quarterback situation those things do knock him down but even before that happened his rushing fantasy points over expectation were very poor meaning he was underperforming the volume he was getting once you see guys in Elliott's age range and his career trajectory who are underperforming their volume and are starting to see their receptions drop now again this is tricky because we have this quarterback dilemma Elliott's receptions in the beginning of that year with Prescott were very high the team was involved in all these shootouts and so his numbers had actually jumped up a little bit over the previous couple of seasons. Then things change around a lot with the backup quarterbacks and his numbers fall. Tony Pollard really the wild card there in terms of what's going to happen. But even without Pollard, you look at sort of his trajectory and you're thinking, okay, Elliot, we can no longer convincingly say is one of the top players in the NFL. So when we look at these two guys side by side, that really would be the tiebreaker for me, even though Henry gives up a little bit of that ceiling. 
Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And the, the, the next couple of players, Sean, that is coming in here, I think this gets into a really interesting spot, particularly the last four players. But uh, just in terms of the, the next couple coming up here, we had Amari Cooper, Jalen Hurts, uh, Ryan Tannehill and Will Fuller. Obviously now uh, Wentz is uh, no longer with the Eagles. So unless something happens in the draft, we should see Jalen Hurts be the, the main option. Uh, with the Eagles this season Ryan Tannehill obviously in command there with the Titans we've seen him put up some very big fantasy games over the last couple of seasons Uh, some nice weapons there for him as well Uh, and the other one is Will Fuller who obviously was uh, having his basically a career year until uh, came down with the the suspension at the end of the the season so what uh, out of those two like those four guys we have two quarterbacks there is upside there's also we know with there's kind of unknown with Hurts, and then there is the known with Tannehill from his time with the Dolphins so there's a little bit of uh, of that baked in as well but when we have Cooper and we have Fuller they're players who have those uh, big big games but also have those weeks where they they can kind of let you down in big big ways so how how are you going about uh, deciphering uh, which players are those that you wanted on your roster? Well, Cooper is Sam's pick, and that's a very good value pick right there. Uh, C.D. Lamb has been gone for quite a while. I think Lamb is the star and will be the focal point of that offense. But Cooper, even competing with so many other guys for touches, a very solid veteran player. Jalen Hurts, when we were going through this part of the draft, it wasn't clear what the situation was with the Eagles. I think now he probably jumps up into that round three range. And so I wouldn't take that. Uh, too seriously in terms of him being available there in your startup this week i don't think he'll be there ryan Tannehill, interesting guy very solid fantasy performer definitely someone you want in this range in a super flex probably will have to even take him a little bit earlier not somebody that i like to target because that offense is so run oriented will fuller fuller obviously always the controversial player Finished last year wide receiver eight in points per game, really finally had his breakout where he was able to stay more or less healthy. Unfortunately, in that season, he ends up getting suspended, so we still don't get the full value from that. We look at from the points per game perspective, it because he's suspended and doesn't finish out the season, I think we can easily overlook the fact that he outscored guys like Jefferson, Metcalf, Robinson, Evans, Julio Jones. Now, you know, you have to play those last group of games and it's going to be hard to maintain his scoring level. Perhaps he doesn't do it on a full season, but still impressive numbers that he put up there. And then again, we want to go to the range of outcomes tool, see where his historical matches end up. And he's got a wide receiver 10 projection, which is very, very high for him. That's above guys like Godwin, above guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. So while there's some risk and his landing spot in free agency will make a difference if, for example, you know, he does go to your Green Bay Packers and is in there with Devontae Adams, Adams then becomes the target hog. Fuller kind of moves back into that position he served under DeAndre Hopkins, where he's a little bit more the, the vertical threat and the secondary guy to try and draw a little bit of coverage, but also to benefit from that coverage that Adams draws. If you get in there in a situation where you have Aaron Rodgers and have that extremely efficient offense, we could be going back to the days where Rodgers really supported multiple high-end wide receivers. It wouldn't be a surprise, I don't think, to see both Adams and Fuller in double-digit touchdowns if they were on the same field together. Uh, Colin, what do you think the chances are that Fuller will end up with your Packers and just how exciting would that offense be? (laughs) 
Uh, I was just going to, I was waiting to see what the next part we were going to like segue into was. And I was going to say that uh, I'm not, I'm just not, I don't want to think about it. If it happens, it happens. If it happens, I'll be delighted. But uh, the problem is with the, the Packers and uh, the way the cap is at the moment and with free agency and the Packers in general don't tend to make that much of a splash. And, um, you know, there was obviously talk about JJ Watt who got paid in a major, major way to go to the Cardinals, but um, there was rumors around him possibly going to the Packers. So I think, um, getting my hopes uh, pinned too high is something i'm going to try not to do but i think it would be it would be awesome i do think they're pretty high on the, the guys they have there at the moment even though maybe the fantasy community isn't as high on on lazard or mvs but i think um uh, the actual you know people in charge of the organization are so i would love to see it i think if it just opens everything up if you've will fuller and Devontae adams i think you're going to have a lot a lot of fun and i really do think at some point like you know you have Aaron Rodgers. just let's go and try and go and try and win uh, and and that that's uh that's coming from a team that went 13 and three two seasons in a row but you know make that final step like uh and try and get rogers another ring here before before he hangs it up so sean if it does happen i think we might have a, a celebration on the podcast but uh uh i'm, I'm just going to try not to get too excited about it but players that i am very excited about and i think we're going to get very excited to finish off the show today uh, a couple of young players here Cortland sutton sean who we were very very excited about last year we drafted on a lot of teams unfortunately we didn't get to reap the rewards of that we'll probably be uh, drafting him again quite a bit this season uh, laviska chanel too we we have talked a lot on the show about jalen rager um, and then jerry judy who has impressed uh, on a number of occasions uh, in the league as well and obviously had a very very high profile coming into the nfl this time last year so four very exciting young players um and obviously Cortland sutton being the the most uh, tenured of those guys in the nfl but this is a stage where it starts to starts to get to you know really wanting to get these young wide receivers and so if i was going for them i think i would go for sutton then chenault then judy then rager but you know i think most people would be able to sprinkle these in in four four separate orders each time that we do it but um you know we've talked on the show a couple of times and we talked today already about the jaguars and how that offense could uh, change if if trevor lawrence ends up there as a as their quarterback moving forward i think that there would give a, a boost there to uh, chenault i think there's so many ways you could use him in that offense and i think they could uh, really get him used in multiple ways i think you know play calling uh, still left a lot to be desired last year so we'll see what happens heading into 2021 Sutton we've always had concerns about uh, quarterbacks and how that was going but um, unfortunately just out of the injury last year and uh, my opinion on him hasn't changed really at all but it's interesting to see two wide receivers on the same roster going within within those four picks is, is it closer Sean for you I really like Jerry Judy but I, I do think that Sutton will be the wide receiver one on that team um What's, what's your feelings between those two guys, I guess, going so close off the board together? I've always been a big Cortland Sutton fan. Um, obviously, one of the reasons why we did end up picking him on some of those teams. I know that you like him. Ben Gretsch, who partnered with us on some of those selections, likes him. Pat and Pete like him. The situation here, anytime that you're coming back from an injury and you have so much of a shakeup in potentially what the offense looks like, uh, there's uncertainty that I think is priced in here and I think priced in fairly, right? The situation with the Broncos, and I, I was a little bit blown away when I looked a little bit deeper into Jerry Judy's numbers here, and this shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, I've watched all of the Broncos games, Judy uh, getting open and dropping passes. 
getting open and being missed by miles by drew lock so it's not like he didn't play a big role in this offense but it was such a disappointing role that you can overlook the fact that his 113 targets were second among rookies and again a fantastic rookie class so a lot of volume there that it's easy to overlook you know 16.5 yards per reception he's getting down the field he had 1522 air yards right and you know we want to keep these things in context of what that really means but it is another area where the volume is there you've got the targets you've got the areas that was sixth in the entire nfl which you know you think about well how empty can some of these deep passes be and the answer is often very very empty and yet at the same time i think when you're looking at what that volume is you have to be aware of just what the potential might be for next season a 46 percent catch rate obviously terrible a lot of drops he was minus 20 in terms of receiving fantasy points over expectation and that's a bad sign right and blair has all kinds of great articles up about how generating the efficiency really does help you and is a sign in terms of what is going to happen in the following years and we look at some of the guys with fpoe numbers below minus 15 in their rookie seasons and you got names like zay jones darius hayward bay sylvester morris john baldwin a couple a couple of kc busts there you have Corey davis you have michael floyd marquise lee Corey coleman kendall wright uh big mike williams for detroit nelson aguilar you know even with a little bit of the, the rehab season this year so you're talking about some people who disappointed in a big way and didn't get that bounce back that their owners might have hoped for but you also do see a number of names that are a little bit more interesting. You've got Plaxico Burris, who somehow only caught 23 of his 65 rookie targets. You have Greg Jennings, someone who broke out with your Green Bay Packers. You have Deshaun Jackson. You have Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada. So a, a couple of Bengals uh, from the old days. You've got Will Fuller. You've got DJ Chark. You've got Roddy White. So a situation where we are concerned about his efficiency, we're concerned about his drops, we're certainly still concerned about this quarterback situation, but if you get a Deshaun Watson in Denver, all of a sudden these guys are going to explode in terms of value. Even if you get someone like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who some people are connecting to the Broncos as a potential uh, competitor for Drew Locke, if they can't land one of the impact quarterbacks, I mean, imagine Ryan Fitzpatrick with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, <laughs> uh, you know, Tim Patrick right someone that it looks like they're going to give a good tender to so you have this offense then with Noah Fant with um, Albert oh you've got the weapons here to have a Fitzmagic bonanza and so I like these guys I think that Judy is someone I'm going to be targeting a little bit more and a little bit earlier I mean you don't move these guys way up your board just a couple of spots but he moves them back into I think a close discussion with someone like Oliviska Chanel, another player that we drafted a lot and that obviously had a lot of fun with Pat and Pete with the, the highlight reel that they would always run. And Chanel, I think, is one of those guys who you can miss a little bit just how well he finished, had a great game in Week 17 when people uh, don't tend to be paying attention, had a good finish down the stretch when Jaguars were no longer really a part of the fantasy conversation because James Robinson, the only guy on that team, uh, really someone you could start comfortably in the fantasy playoffs when you look at Chanel a little bit better season I think than people realize he had a good start and a good fish finish 
with the sort of injured, broken offense time period in the middle. But weeks one through five averaged 12.5 points per game. That's not bad at all for a rookie receiver. But then weeks 13 through 17 actually averaged 15.3 points per game. Right. So anytime that you're just picking out the good stretches that a player had, yeah, I mean, those numbers are going to be better than than the bad stretches. But during that final stretch, led the Jags in targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, 5.1 yards after the catch, showing off that uh, ability with the ball in his hands that has made him this dual threat. He does get some carries in there, uh, potentially has some goal line touches in his future. And Chenault, a guy who, you know, he's not super cheap i mean you've got to go out and get him in your dynasty startup if you're picking him in best ball you can't wait too late but even where he's going there is still a ton of potential upside there chanel is someone you want to at least have some exposure to for your 2021 rosters yeah i agree and uh, well my rosters already have a, a lot of exposure but if anyone's uh in those startups or in those best ball leagues at the moment uh somewhere you can definitely look and i think like you mentioned with the possibility of having uh you know somebody end up in denver that gives the, the wide receivers a boost in value there i think if we we see lawrence which everyone expects and i think that might already be kind of baked into this value but i think it boosts the Jaguars uh, skill position players uh, quite a bit but as always uh, today's show is based around some of the the content up on the road of his website and as a loyal podcast listener you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a one-year road of his subscription by applying the code rv radio 2021 at checkout uh, or by going to forward slash podcast for more information get yourself that 10 percent discount up on the website that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday, as I mentioned earlier in the show, looking at some of the sophomores. Uh, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. Thanks, as always, for listening in. And my co-host is Sean Siegel. You can check out all his great work up on rotaviz.com. Until we're back on Thursday, as always, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.